Our scripture reading today comes from the book of Acts, starting in chapter 27, and we'll be reading through to chapter 28, verse 10. So if you'd like to turn there, it's Acts 27 to Acts chapter 28, verse 10. Acts chapter 27. And when it was decided that we should sail for Italy, they delivered Paul and some other prisoners to a centurion of the Augustan cohort named Julius. And embarking in a ship of Andromidium, which was about to sail to the ports along the coast of Asia, we put to sea, accompanied by Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica. The next day we put in at Sidon, and Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him leave to go to his friends and be cared for. And putting out to sea, from there we sailed under the lee of Cyprus, because the winds were against us. And when we had sailed across the open sea, along the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra in Lycia. There the centurion found a ship of Alexandria sailing for Italy and put us on board. We sailed slowly for a number of days and arrived with difficulty off of Canidus. And as the wind did not allow us to go farther, we sailed under the lee of Crete off Salome. Coasting along it with difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Havens near which was the city of Lycia. Since much time had passed and the voyage was now dangerous because even the fast was already over, Paul advised them, saying, Sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. But the centurion paid more attention to the pilot and to the owner of the ship than to what Paul had said. And because the harbor was not suitable to spend the winter in, the majority decided to put out to sea from there and on the chance that somehow they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, facing both southwest and northwest and spend the winter there. Now, when the south wind blew gently, Supposing that they have obtained their purpose, they weighed anchor and sailed along Crete, close to the shore. But soon, a tempestuous wind called the Northeaster struck down from the land. And when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along. Running under the lee of a small island called Cauda, we managed with difficulty to secure the ship's boat. And after hoisting it up, they used supports to undergird the ship. Then, fearing that they would run aground on Sirtis, they lowered the gear, and thus they were driven along. Since we were violently storm-tossed, and they began the next day, they began the next day to jettison the cargo. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. 
when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest lay on us, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. Yet now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night there stood before me an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. But we must run aground on some island. When the fourteenth day had come, as we were being driven across the Adriatic Sea, about midnight, the sailors suspected that they were nearing land. So they took a sounding and found twenty fathoms. A little farther on, they took a sounding again and found fifteen fathoms. And fearing that we might run on the rocks, they let down four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship and had lowered the ship's boat into the sea under the pretense of laying out anchors from the bow, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, Unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the ship's boat and let it go. As day was about to dawn, Paul urged them all to take some food, saying, Today is the fourteenth day that you have continued in suspense and without food, having taken nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take some food, for it will give you strength, for not a hair is to perish from the head of any of you. And when he said these things, he took bread, and giving thanks to God in the presence of all, he broke it and began to eat. Then they were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. We were in all 276 persons in the ship. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship, throwing out the wheat into the sea. Now when it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they noticed a bay with a beach on which they planned, if possible, to run the ship ashore. So they cast off the anchors and left them in the sea, at the same time loosening the ropes that had tied the rudders. Then hoisting the foresail to the wind, they made for the beach. But striking a reef, they ran the vessel aground. The bow stuck and remained immovable, and the stern was broken up by the surf. The soldiers' plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any should swim away and escape. But the centurion wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump aboard first and make for the land, and the rest on planks or pieces of the ship. And so it was that they all were brought safely to land. After we were brought safely through, we learned that the island was called Malta. The native people showed us unusual kindness for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all, 
because it had begun to rain and was cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. Paul, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. Now in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the chief man of the island named Publius, who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. It happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery. And Paul visited him and prayed, and putting his hands on him, healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the islands who had diseases also came and were cured. They also honored us greatly, and when we were about to sail, they put us on board with whatever we needed. Thank you so much for reading that uh, for us, Liz. Um, let's, um, let's go to God uh, for help as we consider uh, his word and, and what it means for us today. Let's pray. Um, Father God, we thank you so much for, uh, for this gripping story um, of your, uh, your providential protection and care for, for Paul, for these sailors, for the centurion. Um, Lord, thank you for uh, the fact that often through, through storms like this, your plans continue to move forward. And so we pray that whatever we're facing in life, we would leave here with confidence in your, your power and strength to save us. And we pray all of this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Well, one memory that really sticks with me from childhood is a Sunday school class that was taught in the book of Acts. And uh, the reason is because of exciting accounts like this one. Uh, it was exciting to pull out a map and mark the various places that Paul went, but, uh, but I think actually nothing was more exciting than this chapter. I mean, what an adventure. It's reminiscent of Robinson Crusoe, or perhaps the voyage of the dawn treader. Uh, for a young boy, what could be better than a story of peril uh, at the high seas? Uh, with tempests and shipwrecks, all you really need are a few pirates, and the story would be complete. Uh, and this is one of the things that we often forget about the Bible. Uh, the Bible is an exciting book. Uh, when God speaks to humanity, he, he doesn't just say boring things. No, his word invites us into adventures just like this one. Uh, kids, uh, for this reason, I encourage you to read the Bible. Uh, read it for yourself if you can, uh, as well as with your parents. Uh, God's word is filled with incredible adventures, adventures that are designed to grip us like this, in, in, that are designed to draw us in. Uh, but at the same time as gripping our imagination, God wants to inform our hearts. Through his word, he also instructs us with these stories in the way of wisdom. And through this story, we find the same thing. Uh, while, Paul's account, uh, while the account of Paul's journey here is, is full of adventure, it also contains uh, very important life lessons, we could say. Uh, amid the chaos of this storm, there is a word of encouragement to us, but also a word of caution. Uh, to give some context here, Paul has now been in prison for over two years. Uh, all of this started with a riot that broke out in the city of Jerusalem. And ever since that riot, Paul has been on trial. He's been trialed many, many times before the Jewish religious courts, and then he's been tried uh, three times before the Roman tribunal. 
Uh, what has been clear throughout is that Paul is innocent of any charge. Uh, and to protest that fact, Paul has appealed to the Supreme Court, uh, which in those days was the court of Caesar. Uh, and so they load Paul onto the ship on its way to Rome uh, with this centurion, Julius. Uh, and as well as these other prisoners, Paul has a few friends, Aristarchus and also Luke. Uh, it's particularly striking, isn't it? This is, is told in the first person we, Luke is recounting what happened to him. He was there, he saw this. And the last, thing, uh, we can, the last thing we can say about the journey uh, that Luke and Paul and Aristarchus took, uh, took is that that journey was uneventful. Uh, we can see really it's a journey of two halves in chapter 27. Uh, in verses 1 through 20, they're heading into a storm, it seems, even from the start. Uh, and then from verses 21 and onwards, they manage to make their way out of the storm to safety. And it's these two halves that demonstrate what I think is the fundamental lesson of the text. Uh, the big question is, will we listen to God? Uh, will we listen to God? Uh, more specifically, will we listen to God's word through Paul? Uh, will we listen to Paul as God's appointed messenger? Uh, you see, it's because they ignored God's warning through Paul that they end up in this storm. And it's only as they begin to listen to God's promises through Paul that they begin to travel towards safety. And in one sense, as we'll see in a moment, the aim is to vindicate Paul in particular. Uh, but on the other hand, we can make this point much more generally. Um, here's a question for us. Uh, will we listen to God's word? Uh, will we listen to God's word in the Bible given through Paul, through Peter, through James, through John, or, or through Jeremiah, or Moses, or Isaiah? Uh, what we do with God's word changes everything. It determines whether we are heading into the storm or whether we're heading out of it. And so we're going to look at this in two parts. Firstly, we'll see how ignoring God's warning leads us into the storm. And then secondly, we'll see how believing God's promises leads us to safety. Uh, ignoring God's warnings leads us into the storm, but believing God's promise leads us to safety. And so firstly, let's look at how ignoring God's warning leads us into the storm. And the point here is this, that when Almighty God, an all-knowing God, alerts us to danger, well, it makes sense for us to listen to him. And that is what the centurion, Julian, uh, Julius, sorry, discovers, um, along with all of these soldiers and, and sailors and prisoners. Uh, so they load Paul up into the boat, um, together with everyone else, and they head out onto the high seas. And what we find it, from the very start is they seem to make very, very difficult headway. And now, a couple of weeks ago, um, our family drove to upstate New York to visit family up there. Um, it's meant to be a four-and-a-half-hour journey, um, but with road work, traffic, torrential rain, and a crying baby, it took eight hours, uh, almost twice as long as it is supposed to. Now, it didn't take 14 days, we can say, which is uh, how long this storm seemed to last. Uh, but it, 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 sure, surely, we see right from the start, the journey was difficult. Look down at verse 7. Uh, even before then, but in verse 7, Luke tells us that we sailed slowly for a number of days and arrived with difficulty. And they went from one difficulty to another uh, along this journey, so much so that Paul felt the need to step in. Uh, we need to understand, this wasn't the day of air travel when you could just take a flight to pretty much anywhere at any time. Uh, no, due to weather, there was only a safe season to sail and, and winter was rolling in. And so look at what Paul says there in verse 10. Uh, sirs, says Paul, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. 
Now, here is, here is Paul. Paul is merely a prisoner um, here, but he's uh, clearly concerned about the rest of the crew, about their welfare. Uh, and so he doesn't just sit in his hands. No, he sees danger, and so he decides to speak up. It's, it's like that, uh, the phrase you see on the subway, see something, say something. Uh, but ultimately, I think we can say that God is the one who's intervening here, isn't he? In fact, God is the God of all truth. And so in one sense, whenever you get good advice, it, it, it always comes from God, no matter who it is that it comes through. Uh, but yet there's a very special way in which this warning comes from God. Uh, and that is because of the man this warning comes through. Now, Paul is an apostle, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Uh, that doesn't mean that Paul is infallible in everything that he says, but it, but, but it does mean that he's, been there for, he's there for a reason. The very reason that he's in the boat is because Paul is on God's mission. Uh, and maybe it's helpful to recognize what's going on uh, behind the scenes in, uh, in the book of Acts. See, one of the main aims of this chapter and these chapters is to encourage us that God is in control. Uh, even amid our suffering, we, we've seen this in previous weeks, haven't we, that, that God is still moving his purposes forward. Uh, but in addition to that, uh, there's another point, isn't there? Uh, because one of the goals is to vindicate Paul. Uh, this is really a big uh, question in the early church, and it, it's a big theological question in theological circles today. Can we really trust Paul? Can we believe what he said and what he wrote? Uh, because even though he may not have been infallible in everything he said on earth, we believe that what he wrote in the scriptures is the infallible word of God. Uh, but can we really believe that? Uh, is this man truly God's messenger? I mean, think about this for a moment. Compared to the other apostles, Paul really is something of a Johnny-come-lately. He wasn't even one of the 12 apostles that Jesus chose. And so how can we even be sure that Jesus Christ sent him? Uh, there's a lot riding on this, isn't there? There are many promises that God gives us through Paul that we trust. God will work all things together for good. Well, well, is that true? Can we believe that is God's word to us? You see, these events in Acts are meant to demonstrate the fact that, yes, we can indeed trust these words through Paul. In fact, we see that in the second part of our reading. We're not going to say a lot about it, but, but we see this during in Paul's stay in, in Malta in Acts 28. Now, Paul is very, doing the very same things in these verses that we see the Apostle Peter doing uh, in the earlier chapters. He's performing miracles, just like Peter, just like Christ himself. Uh, these are what the Bible calls the signs of an apostle. Uh, just like a policeman wears a badge, so these things indicate uh, that these are God's messengers. Uh, this verifies Paul, as we read in Hebrews 3, that God's message was declared at first by the Lord and was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles. And so this story is designed to verify and vindicate Paul. Uh, and one of the ways that does, it does that is, is in this way, by demonstrating what will happen if we ignore him. Uh, if we ignore Paul, things don't work out so well. Uh, why? Because ignoring Paul is ignoring God. It's ignoring the one who sent him. Uh, if Julius had listened to Paul, if only he'd heeded the warning in verse 10, well, they, they never would have hit this storm, would they? Uh, but let's not be too hard on Julius. I mean, remember who Paul is? He's just some Jewish preacher. More than that, he's a prisoner. He's just there as a criminal. And now I am not much of a sailor, so never get into a boat with me. But, uh, but if you do, I would take some people um, who could give me good advice, and I'll tell you Jewish prisoners probably wouldn't be amongst them. Uh, who would you have listened to? Uh, look at verse 11 with me. What would you do? It says in verse 11, but the centurion paid more attention to the pilot and the owner of the ship than to what Paul said. Well, of course he did. Why? Because he failed to recognize who Paul was. 
And for that reason, he failed to recognize this as God's warning. And we have to ask, how many people make this same mistake today? I mean, life can be a difficult journey at times, can't it? We often face very serious headwinds in our relationships, in our health, in our home life, in our work. Sometimes it feels that we just aren't making progress. Uh, We aren't getting where we want to go, and and when we do it, it, it's with a great deal of difficulty. And where do we look for counsel? Where do we look for advice? Where do we look for support? Well, I imagine the very last thing we do is this. We look, uh, last of all, to a book written 2,000 years ago. Uh, We don't care to listen to the words of a traveling Jewish prisoner, uh, much less the uh, advice of a crucified carpenter come preacher. Uh, No, we look to the experts, and so I hope hopefully you can relate to Julius. Uh, doesn't it make sense to trust those who, who know what they're doing? Uh, I mean, what does a dusty book have to uh, say to us compared with the wisdom of tenured university professors? Uh, we're confronted with the same question today, aren't we? Are we willing to listen to what Paul says, and, uh, and not just Paul, but, but God's other messengers? Fishermen like Peter, James, and John. Uh, people like Luke, like Mark, or in the Old Testament, people like Moses, Joshua, Jeremiah, Isaiah, and, and all of the others. Uh, putting it more plainly, are we willing to heed God's word? Uh, do we take seriously God's warning to us, written uh, for us here in the scriptures? I mean, the whole law of God stands with one big warning in this one sense, doesn't it? It says, disobey and these, these curses will befall you. Uh, and this was said, of course, at the very start in the Garden of Eden. Do not eat of this tree, God said. And here was the warning, for on the day in which you eat of it, you shall surely die. Uh, But did Adam and Eve Eve heed God's warning? Uh, No, they did not. Uh, And like them, uh, ever since the start, all of us have also ignored it. Uh, Even as believers in Christ, we can find ourselves doing the same thing from day to day. Uh, When life is hard, it's easy to disregard the Word of God, to to treat the Bible very much in the way that the Apostle Paul is treated here on this this boat on the way to Rome. Uh, Like Julius, we just don't listen. And so we continue on our way. Uh, And at first, it it, it can seem to be plain sailing. I mean, look at verse 13. They're lured into this false sense of security, aren't they? Uh, now, when the south wind blew gently, supposing that they'd obtained their purpose, they weighed anchor and, and sailed along to Crete. Uh, but almost out of nowhere, the wind starts to rise, verse 14. Uh, but soon a tempestuous wind called the Northeaster uh, struck down from land, just like uh, we name storms today. So this one was named. It was so fierce. And I confess, as we read on, for me, a lot of this uh, nautical terminology is, is more than a little bit confusing. They're securing the ship's boat, lowering the gear, jettisoning the cargo. I'm not sure we have to understand what all of this means because the key point is this. The storm is absolutely terrible. I mean, it goes on for 14 days. Just imagine that. Uh, For 14 days battling this storm. uh, And nothing works at all. So there is this note of despair there in verse 20. uh, When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days uh, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. And that's a very, a very desperate picture, isn't it? And maybe, maybe you've been there in life. Uh, this is certainly more like the perfect storm than it is like Robinson Crusoe. Uh, but this is important to see. Uh, it's important to see this, that all of this, all of this could have been avoided uh, if only they'd listened, if only they'd considered what Paul had said. If only they'd not been so foolhardy, so willing to take the risk. If only they'd been willing to go God's way rather than their own way. 
And this is exactly where we find ourselves today. Ignoring God's warnings leads us into the storm. Now, this can be true on a personal level, of course, but it's also true in the world at large. It's true on the level of our society. On a personal level, perhaps you were raised with God's word. Perhaps your parents instructed you in the truth of the Bible. Uh, But over the years, you've ignored it. You've rejected it. uh, You've disregarded it and set it behind you. Uh, And listen, when we do that, it might start out like plain sailing. Things may appear to go very well. They may go very well for us at first, maybe for a few years, maybe in our teens, uh, into our 20s, maybe even our our mid and and late 30s and 40s. But for most of us, the storms come one way or another. Uh, We make a mess of life. We hurt people we love. We we do untold damage to our relationships. We lose our way. We lose our very sense of who we are. Uh, We make some big messes professionally and financially. We hit storms. And of course, here is the thing. Many of those storms are completely unavoidable. We live in a fallen world. The last thing I'm suggesting here is that everything bad that happens in life is because we we, we ignored a warning of God. But, But we have to admit, very often, if we're honest with ourselves, many of the storms we face are storms of our own making. We've hit the storm for this reason, because we've ignored God's warning. We've ignored what he says in his word about love, about marriage, about honoring him. Uh, And so in in the words of Hosea 8, we have sown to the wind and we've reaped the whirlwind. Uh, And I think this has to be true in our culture as a whole. I mean, in many ways, I think we're reaping the whirlwind, aren't we? A whirlwind of confusion, uh, where people just don't know up from down and and right from left and light from dark. Uh, There are skyrocketing cases of anxiety and depression in our children, in in youth, in adults. Uh, And why? Well, there are very, very many reasons for that, for sure. Uh, but, uh, but at least one of them has to be this. We fail to heed God's warning, his word about our relationships, about our priorities, about our money, about our time, about caring for our bodies. Uh, we've made a mess of our own lives. We've made a mess of our families. We've made, made a mess of our society. And in fact, in one sense, this is the message of the Bible as a whole. It, it is because we've ignored God's warning, warning that the whole world, the whole world is under a storm. You see, ever since our earliest parents ignored that warning from God, the storm has been blowing. Uh, All of us are living uh, under God's curse, the wrath of God. Uh, Even though we can't trace the particular storms in life to to perhaps one particular sin, in one sense, all of the storms, the very reason we're in a storm is because of sin, uh, because we live in rebellion against the God who made us. Uh, But even this storm, uh, the storm we face now, is nothing compared to the storm that is to come. Uh, Jesus himself warns about the greatest storm of all, the storm of God's wrath. He warns about a final day when he will come in righteousness to judge the world that he created. Uh, He'll deal with everything that's wrong. And isn't that great news? Except it also means that he'll he'll deal with everything that's wrong with what we have done and said and thought. Uh, Whoever we are, uh, we must not ignore this warning of Jesus Christ. Ignoring God's warning leads us into the storm. Of course, it leads us into the storm in this life, but it can lead us into the storm for eternity. And that's what we see kind of figured here in in Acts chapter 27. It's what we see in our lives also. And yet here's the amazing thing, that the story does not end there. No, No, what we see is this. Precisely when all hope has been abandoned... Uh, a new hope is found. Uh, and that hope comes not as we heed God's warning. We've already failed to do that. No, it comes as we believe God's promises. 
Ignoring God's warning leads us into the storm. That's why we're all in a great mess. But secondly, believing God's promise leads us to safety. And the point here is this, to to highlight the good news of Jesus Christ. We've ignored God's word. We've made a mess of our lives, of society, of the world. We're heading towards a bigger storm to come. But but here is the good news. God loves us enough not to leave us. I know it's in the midst of this storm that God comes. And that is what we see in in verses uh, 21 through 26 of our passage. That God sends an angel to his messenger, Paul. uh, And even amid the storm, God speaks words of reassurance to him. I mean, how gracious, how amazing, how kind of God. We ignore him, and so it would be completely fair for God to ignore us. Shouldn't he just let us drown, uh, since these are storms of our own making? Uh, Well, he doesn't do that. Look at verse 21. Uh, There is, uh, in the midst of this storm, uh, where all hope is lost, there is real hope. Look at verse 21. Uh, Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. And now I have to admit, if I was Paul, if I was God, I think I would have left it at that. I told you so. We shouldn't have been here. Why were we in all this mess? Well, well, you should have listened. That's the point. Uh, the question is, is that God's attitude to his world? Uh, no, I mean, look at how verse 22 continues. Uh, you should not have listened. He underscores that point. Uh, they didn't listen, and yet look at verse 22. Uh, yet now I urge you to take heart. Uh, take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, uh, and not only, uh, but only of this ship. And how can Paul be so sure of this? Well, look at verse 23. Uh, For this very night there stood before me an angel of God, to whom I, uh, sorry, the angel of the God to whom I belong and to whom I worship. And now it's almost worth pausing and preaching a whole sermon on that phrase, isn't it? Look at how Paul describes God. Uh, God is the one to whom he belongs. This is Paul's comfort, uh, the God who holds his very life in his hands, and therefore he's the one he worships, the one uh, to whom he gives his life. Uh, But what is this loving God saying to Paul? Well, look at verse 24. And he said to me, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. Uh, You will fulfill my plan for you. Uh, That's something no one, no storm can stop. And so behold, God has granted you uh, all those who sail with you. And so Paul turns to these very men who ignored him uh, 14 days before. And what does he say? He says, take heart, for I have faith in God that that it will be exactly as I've told you. Uh, God is going to save this whole company of soldiers and sailors, and he's going to do it for Paul's sake. And having heard this promise, this reassuring word, how do they respond? I mean, I think this is amazing. There's quite the turnaround, isn't there? Uh, Maybe the men are just desperate, I don't know. Maybe, Maybe they have no other choice but to believe this. Uh, But either way, look at what they do. They believe, they have faith, they take God at his word. In fact, the verses that follow all the way from uh, verse 27 through to the end uh, demonstrate that they they express this faith in very, very practical ways. I mean, they start to listen to Paul, don't they? They do it again and again. Uh, For example, in verses 27 through 32, a group of soldiers decides they're going to escape. Uh, And so they they lower the lifeboat, pretending to sneak some some additional... uh, you know, anchors over the, uh, over the boat. And Paul warns the commander, that's not going to end well. And so what do they do? Well, they cut the cords on the lifeboat. That's quite a, a risky strategy when you consider their situation. And then in verses 33 through 38, 
And Paul says, it's time for dinner. And what did he do? Well, they decide it's time to eat. And there are almost echoes of the Lord's Supper here, aren't they, as Paul breaks bread and, and gives thanks. It anticipates their final salvation, just as it does when we gather around the Lord's table and eat and drink. And then there is this huge act of faith. Once they've finished eating, what do they do? Well, they throw the remaining supplies overboard. Again, something of a, a risky strategy. This isn't something you do when you believe you're going to remain at sea for, for, for many more days. No, they believe God's word through Paul. God has spoken, and this time, instead of ignoring it, they start to live their lives very, very differently. And this is the challenge for us, I believe. This is the truth that we find here in the Scriptures. We've ignored God's warning, and we've made a mess of our lives. The whole world is under this huge storm cloud, and it's all because of human sin. But God comes to us in his grace, and he speaks. Not words of condemnation, not even words of warning. No, a word of promise instead. Uh, trust me, God says, and I will save you. In fact, he does more than simply speak from heaven. He gets into the boat with us. Uh, 2,000 years ago, God became man. Uh, he stepped down and entered into the story of human history. And in one sense, Paul's presence in this boat is really just a faint picture of that. It echoes a time when God himself was, was in a boat, actually, with his disciples. A time when a raging storm happened very similar to this one. His disciples had given up hope. Uh, they were worried that Jesus didn't care, and uh, that he didn't care, and so they were, they were drowning. And we can feel the same way in life, can't we? Uh, we question God's love, especially amid the storms. Uh, but on that occasion, just as here in Acts chapter 27, God shows that he does care. Uh, and this is why Jesus came, uh, to show that God does care about the biggest storm that lies before all of us. Uh, the storm that the world is experiencing because of sin now. Uh, and the storm that threatens our eternal safety. Uh, and Jesus came to save us from that storm. And he did this by taking that storm upon himself. He died under, dar under the dark storm clouds of God's wrath on the cross. And in doing so, he, he brought us a path towards safety. And he rose from the dead, victorious over death. And then he comes to us uh, this morning with, with this promise here in the scriptures. Uh, come to me, believe in me, and you will be saved. Uh, believe my promise. Believe that my promise will lead you to safety. Uh, not that becoming a Christian spares you from all the storms of life. We certainly know that. I, I mean, it didn't spare Paul from this storm. No, he was there in the middle of it. But Jesus does give us new life, a new life we can experience now, a new life that will go on for eternity. He promises a future when, when all storms will pass. It's interesting, we read in Revelation that uh, in that, uh, uh, that final world there will be no sea. And now some of you are worried about that. You, you're hoping you can surf or do similar things. I'm not going to say anything about that, but surely the point is this. There will be no danger. Nothing will threaten our safety. And for us, uh, what do we do? Well, the question is this. Uh, will we listen to the promise of God, just as we see in the lives of, of these sailors? Uh, will we begin to live differently in light of God's word? Will we listen to the words of Jesus? Uh, will we listen to God's word through, through messengers, uh, humble messages that Jesus sends? Uh, apostles like, like Peter, Paul, John, whose words are recorded for us in the scriptures. It will mean submitting ourselves to, to what they say about our time, our money, our bodies, our relationships. Uh, ultimately, it will mean submitting ourselves to the lordship of the Lord Jesus. Uh, we need to trust him and live his way, rather than living our own way and trusting in our own wisdom. 
Uh, and if we'll do that, we'll find that our faith is well-founded, won't we? Because as we close, uh, consider how in Acts chapter 27, God's word comes true. I mean, this is the point of verses 29 through 43, isn't it? Now, God's word through Paul is fulfilled to the letter. The boat is destroyed, yes, but, but all of them, to a man, make it to safety. And isn't this a huge encouragement to us? Can we see the point here? Can we see how God is, is so kind to give these sailors a second chance? Can we see how God speaks, not with condemnation, but to reassure us today of his kindness and his mercy? Every single one of us here has in, in some way ignored God's warning and is facing the storm. Uh, for every single one of us. Uh, also, though, this second point is true. God comes to us. He comes to you now in his grace. And, and what does he say? Does God say, I told you so? I told you you were going to make a mess of your life? No, he doesn't say that. He says, take heart. Do not be afraid. Uh, you got yourself into this mess. But I am the one who will get you out of it. And all you have to do is trust me, to take me at my word. I am here. I haven't left. Instead, I've come to save you. And we can stake our lives on this. Why? Why can we do that? Well, because, well, ignoring God's warning leads us into the storm, yes. But what God teaches us here in his grace is this. Believing God's promise will lead us to safety. Let's pray, shall we? Father God, we thank you and so much for, uh, for this uh, adventure that we read of in Acts 27 and 28. And thank you what it, it, uh, for what it demonstrates about you but what it demonstrates about your word, what it demonstrates about your kindness and your mercy. Uh, Lord, we confess to you that we have ignored your word so many times. We've ignored your warning spoken to us in the scriptures. Uh, and yet we thank you that we can come to you as a God of grace, of mercy, of kindness. We thank you that you say these words to us, do not be afraid, take heart. Uh, in Jesus Christ, you provided us a way to safety. And so, Lord, we pray that you would work faith in our hearts today, even as we, even as we share together the Lord's Supper. That would help us, encourage us, strengthen us in faith. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.